Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Highbrow for us, isn't it? Not for me. It's quite highbrow for me. <laughs> says it says the lover of aha. That's a bit depressing. It's absolutely beautiful. A bit depressing. It's not depressing. It's just beautiful. How can you say bark is depressing? It's a bit depressing. Well, you don't even like the Beatles, but anyway, I'm a bit more reason... Israeli men's sort of brigade. The reason we're playing Yo-Yo Ma and Bach, cello's sweet number one G major, love the cello, is because the cello in classical music features quite heavily in the film I've just seen. Now, you've probably all heard of this film because on Sunday, Kate Blanchett won the BAFTA Best Actress for her role in Tar as a conductor, not on a bus, She's not Reg Varney, a conductor of an orchestra. <laughs> and really, the fi- I thought it was based on a true story, but apparently it isn't. And I'd have preferred it to be based on a true story. But it's about this woman who, she's a conductor, and she lives in the most beautiful apartment if you know, I so love we're films. back to houses. I love films with lovely houses. You I do. wanted her apartment. And the thing about classy house, you know, people always go about what lots of light and what bigger and what lots of light. Truly classy houses are quite dark. Do you remember um, Not Normal People, the one after that? No. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking anyway, about. Anyway, that house that is very help. dark. And this house is very dark. And so, I, I, you know, I never have the lights on. No, you don't, which is actually a health hazard because you could break your neck down your stairs. I don't you agree with people having overhead lights. I think they should be absolutely abolished. Yeah, but you don't even want an overhead light on when you drop something and you're crawling around on the floor looking for it. You'd rather yeah, put you the torch your light on, on your phone. You don't need to switch a light oh, on. Oh, dear God. But it, she is very powerful. She's very intelligent. And there's this amazing conversation where she's teaching students who want to be conductors, not on buses, of orchestras at the Juilliard in New York. And she has this conversation with this young man who wears nail varnish about gender. And he didn't want to play the work of a composer because he didn't agree with their politics. Perhaps they were a Nazi or or, or whatever, and they end up having this huge row. And I remember thinking, gosh, that's the first time someone has really explained to me 
about the meaning of art and do you have to be a nice person for you to appreciate that art and enjoy it and still play it and still practice it? Because now, you know, we're, we're, we're even cracking down on Roald Dahl. We're cracking down yeah, yeah. on... Um, I remember I wrote a piece once about... Um, who wrote Oranges? Jeanette Winterson. And I said, well, actually, I went off her a bit when she killed a squirrel or something in her garden. My favourite, 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 favourite author, because we're not allowed to like Jane Austen anymore, are we, because of sugar plantations and everything. My favourite author is Dodie Smith. Yeah. Dodie Smith wrote The 101 Dalmatians um, and I Captured the Castle. And she wouldn't even kill insects and she wouldn't allow flypapers in her house. So that kind of made me want her more. Mm. But if you want to understand about art and do you have to be a nice person and gender, that scene between Kate Blanchett and the student is absolutely articulates it better than anything I've mm. heard. And I thought, this film's going to be fantastic. It's so clever. And it's making my brain hurt. Because I've got more less intelligent as I've got older. I just now watch Love Islands. I think and we all do. There's an interesting question, isn't it? Do you divorce the artist from the art? Or is it is it a part of a whole? It's an interesting question. But Roald Dahl was an anti-Semite. Yeah. You know, but do you still want your children to read these books? Of course you do. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't look into someone's soul. You just have... It's just... But it it's slightly then degenerated into a sort of Me Too scandal where she's a sexual predator and she keeps harming beautiful young cellists, which is why we have the cello at the beginning, and preys upon them. And she... I won't spoil it, but, you know, all hell breaks loose. But it was quite interesting to see a woman as a sexual predator because she's a lesbian and she just yeah. preyed on young women and with a very she had a very, very powerful job. And I don't think it's uncommon either, is it? You get you get women bosses, you get it's it's just I don't think men want to complain about it in the same way as women do. No, but she preys on women. Yeah. Oh, okay. And well, they did complain yeah. about it. But there was a few things that made me think, Oh God, she's just like me really. One is you kept seeing the texts on the phone of the, of her employees. Yeah. And all the way through, the employees are going, oh, God, now she's droning on. I hope she's not going to mention allegory and everything. And it, I get a lot of abuse on Twitter because I'm an employer. And it, it's quite hard being an employer. And I've been an employer of lots of women. I was a employer of 30-odd women at Marie Claire, and I'm sure they all hated me. But it showed you how people don't like bosses and they bitch about them online and they text each other, oh, God, I hope she's not going to say that, oh, you know. So that was quite hurtful. And then she's on an aeroplane. Even though it's a private jet, she does exactly what I do. When she goes to the loo, she uses the tissue to open the door, and as she goes in the loo, she drops the tissue. The tissue. I do that. Oh, I don't very touch. No. I don't touch the door handle on a plane. No, oh, nor no, toilets in general. No, no. I mean, seriously, never. I mean, I never. But especially touch not on a plane because there's toilets. men using it as well. Men don't wash their hands. No way. That's the tissue job every time. But I always know on a plane, people always think, oh. She just dropped a tissue at the door, yes, because I just used it to open the door and I drop it. So wherever I go, there's a tissue that I've dropped because I've touched something. Okay. So me and Kate Blanchett are as one. Okay. 
You mo- you're you like a shapeshifter. One week you're Megan. Next week, who else have you been? Now oh. you're Kurt Blanchett. Who else have you been? You've been a few people. Vivian Westwood. Vivian, you, you're just a shapeshifter. But I did love, I mean, the BAFTAs was quite excruciating. Alison Hammond was just too gauche and embarrassing. And Richard E. Grant, he almost broke down in tears when he did the obituaries. Raquel Welsh, they didn't even show a clip from a film. It was just a quick picture and that was it. And they forgot in the obituaries at the BAFTAs. They for, do you know who they forgot? Who did they forget? Bernard Cribbins. No. <laughs> Spoons. Spoons. I wish we Do you understand that? God, yes, I do, but I wish we had video. Do you understand spoons? Yes, but I wish we had video to see people, you spitting into the microphone. Spoon. I love Bernard Cribbins. I'm glad that we've got our own microphone. Don't you love Bernard Cribbins? And when BAFTA were challenged why they left out Bernard Cribbins, they just said, oh, we didn't have space. So who do you choose then? How do you choose? What's yeah, but they the should have. It was a mistake. They should have put Bernard Cribbins. I love Bernard Cribbins. I won't go that far, but yes, they should have been in there. My daddy, my daddy. It's one of my favourite films. <laughs> so me doing spoons. Apparently, Forty Towers is coming back. I, I, can I be an extra? Can it's I be a not. guest? It is. Oh my God, this, they're supposed to be bringing Fraser back, aren't they? All the goodies are coming back. Oh, I, honestly, I can recite every line of Forty Towers. No, Frasier for me. Love Frasier. I want Niles. Do you want to know what I've been doing? Yes, go on then. Well, I went to see... Well, I was going to review a book this week, but then I took my mum to see The Wow last night because it was her birthday. And uh, got, it's quite funny, actually. So, have you, have you... You've not seen The Wow, have you? No, I don't want to. Well, I have to say... Brendan Fraser, absolutely amazing. I've always thought of him as like, you know, Tarzan, King of the Jungle and in The Mummy and super handsome, probably not, you know, particularly a talented actor, but very, very, very handsome. And I was blown away by how incredible he was in this. It's absolutely amazing. It's called The Wow, and you kind of assume it's about his size because it's about a a man with morbid obesity um, who's going to die. And you think it's quite a cruel title, but actually The Wow isn't about his size. It's about Moby Dick, which is all part of the, the story to do with his daughter. And... It's a really complicated film and it's about the dynamics and the repercussions of a chain of events. So he is married, he falls in love with another man, he leaves his wife and then he becomes estranged from his daughter, not through his choice. And the whole film is set in his house um, and he's got um, a woman that looks after him and a nurse that comes a friend that looks after him. He tries to build a relationship with his daughter and it's just, it's an incredibly sad film. And it's its so relevant about how what we do affects other people and that sort of chain of events of how we develop. And What started him eating then? Because he wasn't always like that. No, he wasn't. He was always, he was always overweight, um, but he, but overweight as a lot of us are, you know, a bit too, t- bit too rounded. And his partner died. 
And so after that, he started comfort eating and it was grief, really. And the film is incredibly raw. It's incredibly raw. You see the reality of this this level of, of... absolute emotional breakdown where food is his comfort and it, and it, and he's incredibly big he struggles to walk he needs a, a walking frame um he and it, and he can't stop he just can't stop and you know it's that awful but thing someone where must be bringing him the food the beautiful land of delivery leave it outside money's in the mailbox um and he knows, he knows he's dying. He knows, he knows that he's made himself ill. He can't, he can't move. And he's a really clever man. He's an English professor. And it's really sad because he's doing these online courses and he says that his camera's broken so his students can't see him. And they're always saying, you know, get the camera fixed, get the camera fixed. And it's, oh, the camera's not fixed. But he doesn't want them to see him. He's so ashamed of the way he looks and he's so ashamed of the way he is. And there's one part, and I think you 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 wouldn't cope with it well at all because you don't like the way I eat, do you? Um, where he goes through this awful upset, and he's you know it's such a devastating film, and he orders two pizzas. No, the only reason I don't like the way you eat isn't it because I know being overweight makes you so unhappy. No, 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 it does. But I mean, like physically, and I'm like not an enabler. But whenever I make you stuff, I make you lovely vegan stuff with. No, I just yeah. mean actually eating. I don't mean what I eat. I mean actually eating. And this, this, so this guy gets two pizzas and he's so emotionally distraught. He's ramming this food in, you know, he's rolling up this pizza, he's putting loads of mayonnaise and he, he's eating to the point he, he nearly chokes himself. And you see him sort of running around his kitchen, going into his fridge and literally anything, not now, well, down. He can move, son. Um, he was in a wheelchair moving himself around and, I know my mum my mum was sort of sitting there going, oh, oh, oh because it does, it looks disgusting. When someone's eating in that 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 way, they can't get it down quick enough and it looks disgusting. But I've done it. I've actually done it. And I've stood there and I've been so upset and so emotionally distraught that I have stood there eating everything out of the fridge and then opening the cupboard and you're still chewing while you're looking what else to eat. And I've eaten, you know, I've been, you know, I've been eating while I've been sobbing, you know, a great big 14-inch pizza. I've eaten the whole thing and sides and then Martin's leftovers when I've been upset. And and people would look at you, and the same as my mum was sort of looking at this guy, and I think a lot of people were that have never done it and never understood it. And I looked at this man, and all I could see was his pain and how ramming that food down was this self-medicating trying to feel better and I I can't find the words to explain how it feels to do that and 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 it does and and seeing it actually seeing someone do it it does it looks disgusting it looks repulsive you've got food all over your face you've got no self-awareness but there's this this thing this compulsion to just shovel food in and somehow you're going to feel better. And I think there's a thing about endorphins and, you know, it, it raises your endorphins and you feel like you're doing something. And then it leaves you feeling disgusting. At the end of this episode, he does what a lot of people do when they eat like that, this compulsive eating. And I've done it. So he was sick because he's just eaten so much so quickly, his body can't take it. And then there's this horrendous feeling of disgust. 
and this realisation that you don't feel any better, you feel worse. You don't care. When you're in that state, you don't care what you do. You'd get something frozen out of the freezer if necessary and eat it. It is such a heightened state and it is such, a, such an awful feeling and I remember I remember once I was in a real state about losing my keys. So I dropped my keys in the garden and I I couldn't find them and I was late and I was incredibly stressed about it and incredibly panicky about it. It really got me in, in a an awful state because I couldn't find my keys. And the first thing I did was I ran into the kitchen and I grabbed just dry bread, just dry bread and was ramming dry bread down me while I was looking for these keys because I was so stressed. It is such a strange reaction and you just can't help yourself. And watching watching this, it made me Don't tell me us feel, how it ends. I won't, no, no, I won't. I won't. But it was this scene, really. It broke my heart because it told me everything I needed to know about how much pain this man was in and how people don't understand when people eat like that. And it, it, it just... It really hurt me to, to a cellular level, as you said, cellular level, I'm quoting you now. And he's such a nice man and is in so much pain. And this is a film I think you'll either really feel the sensitivity of it and really be intrigued by the dynamics of the relationships in it, which are very complex. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm... I think I'd rather go and see Lily, Lily James well, in a this, rom-com. this is... Talking of not having a lot, I'm doing a new course. You know, I love my courses. Oh, but it's not more wild fit. I'm sure I'm wild doing... fit didn't say you should stuff bread in your mouth when no, you lose your key. I'm doing a new one. I'm doing no, it's not wild fit, and it's not about stuffing bread in my mouth because, like, we're talking about lack and not having stuff. And I was thinking, do you know what? Life's you have not to pay me- for it. No, no, it's part of the membership, and Did it's you kind of like to the membership. The membership I, I got through a PR, so no, I didn't pay for oh, the membership. Oh, she's using my name. No, name. I use my own name. No, 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 Do I you use have my a name. I use my own name now. Do you have a name? And uh, but saying that, Mind Valley is fantastic. This course, I'm starting it, and it's about manifesting the life you want. So I thought life shouldn't be this crap, should it? We shouldn't work so hard and have so little, and always be in debt and always be struggling. It's really. Surely we're meant to be in this world to have a nice time, you know, to have positive experiences. So this come up as a new course, The Art of Manifestation, and I thought, do you know what, I have manifested stuff that in normal circumstances I would never have got. You know, I have manifested stuff exactly as I wanted it. But I think there's an art to it. I think it's like everything else, I think there's a skill to it. And... You can be doing it, but you're doing it wrong, so you're not going to manifest what you want. No, but that puts the blame on the person. It's like, it's not always your fault your book doesn't get published. No, 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 I don't mean it like that. But, I mean, if you're trying to manifest something, but you're not doing it in the best way, then you may not see the results you want. So I am going to take this very seriously, and I'm going to do this manifestation course and try and learn proper skills to manifest the life I want. Can you manifest me a house? We're gonna we're gonna try and manifest the life we want, Jones. You could do the course as well. Well, this week's column. Yes. It's all about my collies. Oh, the collies, the puppies. 
Thursday. A man, very nice man, wasn't he? Really nice man. Didn't you think he was nice? Very nice man. Was coming to clean the rugs and the stair carpet, Grace's stress wee. And so Nick stopped by to take the dogs out of the way. As she did so, Gracie fell over. She wasn't hurt, but she looked embarrassed. She falls over more and more often. I'm in constant... She fell down the stairs the other day. Such a worry when I get older. I'm in constant fear she will gag again and pass out. She's on all sorts of medication. Each night, when I'm ready for bed, she stands with her two front paws on the mattress, ready to be hoisted up. I keep looking at the screensaver on my laptop. It's a photo of her as a puppy, pink tummy, deep in snow. She's been the most difficult dog I've ever known, but I cannot lose her. Many dog owners will have been hugging their animals close after the news of the young woman who was killed by who knows how many of the eight dogs in her care. And the terrible news of the four-year-old girl mauled by a pet dog. I'm hugging my four collies closer as I read this. I can only imagine that now we dog lovers will be seen ever more keenly as pariahs. We're already outcasts. Hotels and holiday lets, if they allow dogs at all, shout meanly, an extra £15 will be charged for one small dog. Keep your dog on the lead at all times. You can eat in the bar, but no dogs in the sitting room or no dogs in the dining room. Even my favourite hotel, the Pig at Coombe, says we only permit guide dogs into the property. Who are they expecting? Roy Orbison? Dogs are welcome to join you on a stroll, but keep them out of the kitchen garden and away from our animals. I presume when they say our animals, they mean farm animals. Those signs on country walks, dogs frighten livestock, make me want to add a graffito. It's farmers who frighten livestock. I have a sepia photo of my parents taken not long after the Second World War on a picnic with two of my siblings. Nestled next to them is their much-loved bulldog. He's unrecognisable to the bulldogs of today with a much longer nose. One day, while my oldest brothers were playing in the garden, the bulldog mauled my brother Nick quite badly. He bore the scars to the day he died. I'm not sure what happened to the dogs. My parents never said. When my dad was still in the army, they were posted, along with his family, to East Africa in the early 50s. They adopted a Dalmatian called Bruce. He used to catch snakes and scorpions. When posted back to England, they left Bruce behind. I still wonder what became of him. Growing up, we had a Labrador retriever called Pompey. He would sleep a big yellow lump at the, front of, at the foot of the stairs. My mum, even then almost crippled with arthritis, arms full of laundry. She was always carrying laundry up and carrying laundry down. Your poor mum. That's a lot of beds to change, isn't it? Seven children in their bed. Yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot of linen. She always had to step over him at the bottom of the stairs. And as she did so, he would stir and she would end up riding him, rodeo fashion. Dogs can be unpredictable. Gracie used to chase joggers. She stopped that now, but only because she's 14. Minnie, whom I could leave with a newborn baby without worry, used to chase cars and tractors. Missy Puppy hates the wheelbarrow, the hoofpipe, the hoover. 
but that's because she was abused as a puppy on a farm in Ireland before being abandoned. I can't blame her for being nervous. She's a nutcase, isn't she, Missy? Absolutely. You know, she wakes me up at the quarter to six in the morning. I posted a video of her on Twitter paddling me with her paws and I'm going, ow, ow, Missy puppy, ow. You know, she's constantly stressed, isn't she? She's like her mummy. She's like you, actually. She is. Missy would never snap at a human, but when stressed, she takes it out on poor old Gracie. With any animal, you must be vigilant. Dear God, a horse can kill you. But surely men are worse. I wouldn't leave a child with a man I'd only met a few weeks ago. In 2022, ten people were killed by dogs in the whole of the UK. Compare that to the number of women killed by men. Two every single week. I know which I prefer. For months, I've been railing online at the terrible abuse meted out to Turkey's street dogs. I can't help but watch the images on TV of the earthquake and the sniffer dogs helping to find anyone alive in the rubble. Dogs really are better than us. We don't deserve them. We don't deserve them. It's absolutely true. And it is our responsibility as humans to take control of the situation, to not take risks. Animals are animals. Sometimes accidents do happen, though. They No, they do. Accidents do happen. And that dog walker walking the eight dogs who was killed, I mean, she obviously loved dogs. She had rescue yep. dogs. Absolutely, my heart breaks for her and her family, really. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Now, do you know who's on the cover of March Vogue? Tell me. Rihanna. Your bestest friendest in the world. My best friend in the world, Rihanna, is on the cover of March Vogue. And it's a little bit of schadenfreude here, because I've been to Berlin, I know these words. It's the whole piece now. is about motherhood's changed me and motherhood, you know. It can't be that difficult if you're so rich. Surely she's got five nannies or something. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a nice thing, isn't and it? She, you know, so she's got this intimate shoot and the, the, the baby being shot and the intimate interview with Giles Hattersley. Um, but nowhere does she say she's having another baby. And then before the magazine comes out, she announces at the Super Bowl that she's pregnant. So I can imagine Edward Enenfall has, has gone pale Oops. with rage that she ruined his cover. Oops. That's the thing about monthlies, and they seem very antiquated now because they don't move fast enough. I always found it... I got bored with an issue Not as Marin fast Claire's, as Rihanna's not, ovaries. She's having another one. Oh, she moved faster than the publication. But my spat with Rihanna broke the internet, didn't it? It did. Nick? How many pieces were there about me and Rihanna? Do you know what? Honestly, I, I lost count. I, I was just pulling up about, you know, Rihanna and, and Liz for, for the archive, and... There were so many pieces that come up, you know, the Guardian, the Independent, all these papers that are written about it. It was I got lost. Because it all happened because Rihanna posted a picture of her sort of lying legs akimbo with a bottle of champagne. 
And I wrote a piece in the Daily Mail saying, actually, this isn't great for young women who live in Newcastle who haven't got a bodyguard to get them home safely. Women, I know we should be able to do whatever we want, but it's quite dangerous behaviour to be that drunk and naked and it's not great and I really had a go at her and so she responded on social media and she kept posting this picture of me now it was a really awful picture of me because I had all this makeup on to make me look old and poor didn't I you did (laughs) but she kept using that picture and then the television kept putting pictures of Rihanna's face next to my face when I was made up to look old and poor no that was I mean that was a really 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 cruel cruel piece I had your cat didn't I you did you had Grebo I had Grebo he only had one eye and so we looked like the worst couple in the world and Rihanna kept going on about how I looked pre-menopausal and I said well at least I didn't look post-menopausal so then I responded to Rihanna's rage with this piece in the mail on Sunday so this is 2013 the news that I'm at the center of a media storm always arrives in my inbox in exactly the same way in exactly the same order like cows filing in to be milked in an established order so daisy goes first primrose goes second so we'll get requests from american celebrity websites itv's daybreak this morning five live sky news all in that order editor of female the guardian kath at the guardian earlier this week I was gleefully alerted by the world's media that pop star Rihanna had responded angrily on Instagram to my piece in the Daily Mail, pointing out that smoking marijuana, drinking champagne from the bottle before swimming, you don't eat before swimming. Even I don't eat before you swimming. You don't, bef- don't drink before swimming, you're going to be drowned, especially wearing a ball gown. It's not a good look. And wearing jewellery and tattoos in the shape of powerful handguns. It's not perhaps the best idea when your fans are predominantly young and female. I suggested Rihanna's badass antics were not entirely genuine. I don't think you can say badass. That's very English and... and well, I am English. I'm from Essex. Badass or, you know, badass. We're not entirely genuine, given her chaste demeanour during a dinner with the US Vogue editor Anna Wintour when her rump remained covered and she demonstrated that she does in fact know how to use the champagne flute. I suggested also in my Daily Mail piece that a recent selfie of Rihanna ingratiating herself with a boyfriend who once beat her up gave women the wrong message. I suggest she return to the US and perform a benefit for the families of the victims of the Sandy Hook school shooting. Rihanna responded angrily, She called me a menopausal mess and bitter. You are quite bitter, to be fair. I hadn't attacked Rihanna's looks or age. Merely her drug-taking, drinking and choice of boyfriend. I wrote she had an angelic voice and a strong, powerful body and therefore had no need of tattoos with guns. But what annoyed me most was the response of female journalists. Jezebel.com, the feminist American website, published a photo of me looking my worst, made up as an 83-year-old. How feminist is that? And how can anyone possibly be on hashtag Team Rihanna if they've lost a relative to alcoholism or gun crime or drugs or rape? A British newspaper published a a piece headed... So (laughs) I I don't remember this. This is fantastic. A British newspaper published a piece headed... So... 
<laughs> Who is the better role model, Rihanna or Jones? I remember that. <laughs> Do I really need to point out the definition of being a role model is that others want to be like you? Well, I can see why lots of girls want to emulate Rihanna. I can assure you no one wants to be me. Old... Broke, overworked, depressed, lonely, barren, deaf, friendless, pensionless, in possession of cellulite and a postmenopausal beard. Well, you've just sold yourself to all the men listening. <laughs> I'm not a moral model. Think of me as a scarecrow. I'm very good at these off-head pieces, aren't I? Oh, very good. I warn women as a scarecrow that if they do succumb to the temptation of a new mulberry bag or a facelift, it will not make them happy or love. I want to warn of the dangers of looking up to a star like Rihanna, who seems to hold the, their young women's safety and well-being in disdain because my life has been ruined by aspiring to be like a supermodel. I starved because models starved. Girls will drink because Rihanna drinks. I'm angry now. <laughs> You're working yourself up, ain't you? Then a male reporter called me up. Do you not think saying Rihanna was inviting rape was going a bit too far? What I'd actually typed was, and I quote, she promotes drug-taking, drinking, and the sort of fashion sense on stage that surely invites rape at worst, disrespect at least. I've been listening all day to reports about the trial of the men in Oxford who held girls captive, beat them and abused them. They preyed on the vulnerable ones. I think lying prone in suspenders, having down champagne, as Rihanna did for one picture posted on social media, could possibly, if a young woman not, does not have a limo, bodyguards or even the taxi fare, make her vulnerable to attack. The male reporter went on. You've been called a troll, he said. Why did you attack Claire Balding? <laughs> okay, that, that's a bit of a hop. Rihanna to Claire Rihanna, Claire, Rihanna, Claire, yeah, yeah. Rihanna, Claire. Uh, uh, um, which one sang under it? Rihanna or Claire? Sang? Shall I sing Umbrella? Let's not. Let's not sing. I told the male reporter, I criticised Claire Balding over the fact she omitted to mention on television Grand National winner Bala Briggs had been beaten 13 times in the home straight and was so exhausted he had to be given oxygen. OK, he said. This is so funny, this response. But you let yourself down, Liz, when you wrote about Claire Balding's high street woolly. <laughs> <laughs> How did it get to Rihanna, to, to Claire Balding's cardi? That was a joke. A dig at the way that in her acceptance speech for an award, she pompously said, I'm not getting this, this award because of what I look like or my dress sense. Trust me, no young woman out there is thinking, oh, I want Liz Jones's career. Why would you want it? Ghastly photographs under lurid headings constantly be attacked for being ancient by other women. The Guardian loves printing my age as often as it can. I seriously don't think I can do this anymore. You said, uh, so that was 2013. But don't you think... You've been saying that for 10 years. But don't you think that comment piece is absolutely brilliant? Oh, brilliant. And no brilliant. one, no one else in the world, I'm telling you this, I'm going to not have imposter syndrome for five seconds. No one in the world 
would have come back at Rihanna the way I did. No one. And Barbara Ellen and the Observer agreed. Liz trumped her by listing all her failings. She knows her failings, Rihanna. You don't have to tell her she's put menopause on. I think you won in the Rihanna versus Jones. I won. You won. I won, Rihanna. I won. I won. I won. And no one can write op-ed pieces like I do. No one in the world. And she won. And I... That's the brilliant, 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 brilliant piece. It's a brilliant piece. I'm better than Giles Corrin. I'm better, better than all of them. Much better. Do you want to know what... I put my guts into that. <laughs> Didn't I? You did. And you wanted to rip her guts out. <laughs> But every time I was on telly and they put a picture of Rihanna and a picture of me, I'm going, no, take her picture down, take her picture down, take her picture down. <laughs> but you won, you did and now win. she's on the cover of Vogue. Have you been on the cover of Vogue? No. No, they won't even put me in Vogue. I, the only way I was in Vogue was from Alex Shulman's memoir where she said I was the Daily Mail's Rottweiler. That's so the you, only time I've been in so Vogue. So you have been and in And I responded magazine. to that with a piece saying, at last, I'm in Vogue. Even yeah. though I'm a dog, I'm in Vogue. Yeah, and a Rottweiler's a lovely dog. Yeah. So be grateful. Hashtag be grateful. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Do you want to know what our listeners are saying? Come on then. Well, I said to Nick when she started reading this out and she actually wet herself. I said to her, Nick, as a horse person and former IT person, did you ever think you'd be reviewed on iTunes? I did not, no. <laughs> I was saying to Liz that we're really lucky, like lots of people leave us really lovely reviews and we do the lovely ones them. as well as the horrid no, ones. We, but but there's also ones that aren't quite so lovely. But they are very, very funny. So we're gonna we're gonna read them out today, aren't we? Read so, them all. We'll read them all. We've got a few here. So we've got an enjoyable listen. Liz is delightful when she laughs, and Nick is kind with a great heart. The only drawback is when Liz sings, I have to actually mute my device. It's so awful. Yesterday. <laughs> so it's, no. <laughs> then we've got the best thing I've listened to in ages. Love reading Liz's diary each Sunday. Now Not she has a diary. The diary. Now she has an opportunity to see how funny Liz and Nick are together. And we actually had a letter this week that said that people thought, this woman thought we were like Dawn, French and Saunders. French and Saunders. Yes. Yes. French and Saunders. I don't know. Which Abbott one's and Costello. Which? which one's which? Laurel and Hardy. She says she can't help feeling a tad sad for David, but he does bring it all on himself. <laughs> Then we've got, love this, shows a whole different, more relaxed side to Liz. I'm not relaxed. She's not relaxed. We know. It's honest and very real, but funny. They laugh at themselves and at each other. Well, Liz mainly laughs at me, don't you? What about the woman who listens to it more than once? I know. And Nick's one-liners are fantastic, and she thinks we should do an agony aunt column. I'm up for that. I'm up for But there's someone else who said we should do two a week. No, we get a lot. We get a lot of people wanting us to do more than once a week. We get a lot of those. I don't think I've included any of those. 
but we do but get a lot of them. What about the woman who, what was the one I just said? How about, oh, we are. This, this is without doubt the funniest podcast I've heard. You don't have to be f- single, female and middle-aged, but it helps. Please listen, Nick, can we have more, even bi-weekly. I've played them over and over and it still makes me laugh. We don't care if you haven't got much to say as the banter is gold. We don't have much to say, but the banter is gold. We don't have much to say. <laughs> we have loads of top. We're highbrow. Well, we're sometimes highbrow. We're Chairs. also very, very lowbrow. Chairs. No, we can be very lowbrow. Kate Blanchett. Do you want to hear my favourite one? My absolute favourite one. Yeah. My favourite one is... is it the Weatherspoons? Yes. The podcast equivalent of being in Weatherspoons on a Friday night, sitting next to a table, listening to two chaffy fishwives pissing and moaning about how awful men are. When you're in the next room, it sounds like two cats squaring up for a fight. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.